please rise and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you, Jackie. Would you please call the roll? Okay. Mr. Smith? Here. Mrs. Lucas? Here. Mr. Albano? Here. Mrs. Scull Mr. Scully? Here. Ms. Shank? Here. Mr. Lemon? Here. Ms. Nicholson is excused. Mr. Hilton? Here. Ms. Bolt? Here. Ms. Bott, we have a quorum. Thank you. First item on the agenda is the approval of the minutes from the July 21st meeting. Are there any corrections or comments? Is there a motion to approve? Motion to approve. Is there a second? Second. In motion and a second. Jackie, would you call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries six, seven to zero. Thank you. Uh, item two is an amendment to the Town Center DRI development order. Uh, requ they've requested a continuation to a date certain, which I understand is September 15th. Mr. Chairman. All right. Uh, there's really no need for discussion. Is there a motion to uh, continue this item to September 15th? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right. Jackie, would you call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries seven to zip. Thank you. Item three is similar. It's an amendment to the Town Center Master Plan Development. Uh, they've also requested a continuation on that item to September 15th. Is there a motion to continue to that date? So moved. All right, there's a motion. Is there a second? Second. Okay. <laughs> motion and a second. Jackie, would you call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries seven to zip. Thank you. Item four is <coughs> Seminole Point rezoning application number 4820. Mr. Tyner? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Good evening, everybody. This is for a rezoning. Uh, this property has a little bit of history at one point. It's actually still technically zoned master plan development. Uh, you know, per our land development code, the development agreement had expired. Uh, so the applicant right now is um, looking to rezone the, pro the property. Um, and uh, Mr. Bill Hoover will have the technical staff presentation, and it will be followed by the applicant presentation as well. Thank you, Mr. Hoover. Good uh, evening, uh, members of the planning board, as well as... Uh, the public. Uh, Seminole Point is uh, just under 72 acres. It's located on the north side of the intersection between US 1 and Seminole Woods Boulevard. You can, at the top of the screen, you can see State Route 100 there and down at the bottom, US 1 running from about 6 o'clock to 11 o'clock, and then see the airport up there as well. Uh, getting a little bit closer in, you can see uh, this project is on the south and west sides of the Integra Woods Apartments. 
the lot one of this, uh, those were, this was all one subdivision at one time, I believe, called Seminole Point. Lot one is excluded from this rezoning, so it only involves lots two, three, and four. Uh, they're requesting the rezone from master plan development and COM two to the multifamily residential two in the COM three zoning districts. This is the uh, future land use map. So you can see all this subdivision here is, is all mixed use to the uh, north. There, there's a lot of uh, environmental lands. Uh, that's a Flagler County designation of conservation. Uh, to the east of that or northeast of the project, it's Flagler County residential low density. And then as you get east of this, it's designated residential and greenbelt. Uh, those are uh, Palm Coast designations. And then further to the east uh, is Flagler County Ag or Agriculture and Timber, as well as to the southwest. Directly west of the site is Flagler County Industrial uh, Designation. So on the left, this is showing the official zoning map right now. So we can see the uh, MPD is on uh, everything but the uh, COM2 lot on the east side. And you can see the multifamily residential two for Integra Woods Apartments. On the right-hand side of the screen, you can see the proposed rezoning. So when this runs through, the uh, lot one, which is the COM3 area on the west side, would automatically uh, revert back to the COM3, so there was no need to include it in the rezoning. So essentially what they're doing is moving some commercial and just clarifying that the MPD area is going to MFR2. So uh, we pulled out the zoning map from 2011 because this uh, Seminole Point master plan development uh, in the agreement, normally an MPD lasts five years. This one, I believe, specifically stated seven years in there. So it, it expired about uh, two and a half years ago or so. So on the left-hand side of the screen, you can see the, the COM3 is going back to COM3 except for the easterly portion that's going to MFR2 and then the COM2 area on Seminole Woods Boulevard is moving down to the intersection and it's, they would like it to go to COM3 which makes sense in staff's opinion because we've got industrial zoning there to the northwest. These are the uh, five review criteria from section 2.0505 of the Land Development Code. A, must not be in conflict with the public interest. Both of the uh, proposed zoning districts are uh, allowed uses in the mixed use uh, designations on the future land use map. And in staff's opinion, they're easily compatible with other uses allowed on neighboring lands. B, must be consistent with both the land development code and the comprehensive plan. The project does meet three goals, policies, or objectives of the comprehensive plan. And then when it comes in for a site plan, it would need to meet all the requirements of the land development code. C must not impose a significant liability or hardship on the city. Uh, public 
facilities, including water and sewer, are available to serve the site, and both US-1 and Seminole Woods Boulevard have sufficient capacity to handle the project's traffic. D must not create an unreasonable nuisance or hazard. Uh, this rezoning will be compatible with the overall neighborhood as it is located within an area of uh, close by medium to medium high intensity uses and a lot of preservation lands and the project's multifamily residential uses will provide demand for the vacant COM3 lands uh, along the uh, US-1. He must comply with all applicable government standards so uh, as I mentioned when this project goes through it will need to meet uh, the Palm Coast Land Development Code uh, would also need to meet any uh, county standards as well as state DEP and St. John's River Water Management District uh, permitting for environmental and uh, anything uh, relating to federal standards. We, uh, we had a neighborhood meeting on August 2nd at 6 o'clock p.m. at the Hilton Garden Inn. The applicants notified uh, via first-class mail, all property owners within 300 feet of the uh, neighborhood meeting. And then, uh, as customary, two signs are put up before each meeting, and a news ad was run to let the public know of tonight's meeting. Uh, this project will go from here to two city council public hearings, and then it would return to the planning board and city council and the applicant would have a, their choice of doing a tier three master site plan or a tier three technical site plan. Planning staff recommends that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board determine the proposed rezoning. Application 4820 is consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend approval to city council to rezone Seminole Point from Master Plan Development, or MPD, and General Commercial COM2 to the Multifamily Residential 2 and High Intensity Commercial COM3 Zoning Districts. The applicant's uh, agent is here and has a PowerPoint presentation. Thank you, Mr. Hoover. Uh, would the applicant like to make their presentation? Shimento uh, for the applicant. I appreciate your time tonight. Um, we have here tonight uh, a project and not just a simple rezoning. One of the things that I did want to draw your attention is simultaneous with the application that we have here for rezoning, we've also already submitted for uh, an application for the master site plan. So we're going through that and we anticipate that the actual master site plan will come before you hopefully within about uh, 60 days. So this isn't just a, a rezoning for the future, this is a rezoning to accommodate a project and capital investment in the, our community. 
So as you heard, uh, this property has been um, on the books for some time. Uh, it's at the south end of uh, town, and um, we're here to uh, ask for rezoning. turn lanes 
how we handle um, those types of movements at that intersection. Um, so again, we've demonstrated that presently what's permitted there and what we're asking for is a 50% reduction in uh, traffic generated. Next slide. So we've gone out and part of the process. Uh, we've had our environmental, uh, we call it bugs and bunnies. Uh, we've uh, identified the wetlands and uh, the first phase of the project, which you'll see next and we'll come back in 60 days, has no wetland impacts at all. It has uh, no impacts to federally protected species and there is no uh, impact to any cultural resources that are in the area because there are none. So there are no environmental impacts with this project. Next. And then one of the other things that we're required to do in every development is look and see if there's any archeological um, issues or um, sites in the area. Uh, we've hired Carter uh, Environmental Services and they have done their um, service and their studies and there are no uh, archeological impacts to this property. So again, the concept was how do we take this very dense, intense project of commercial three for about 600,000 square feet of commercial and 400 residential multifamily units and we've downzoned it with this project. Next. So this is what you'll see here shortly. It's not part of the rezoning because rezoning just adds the color to the map and allows a permissible um, uses. Uh, but this is what you'll see in, in a week or so or our 60 days or so. This is phase one and this is on parcel four, track four. Uh, you can see that we'll share a driveway. Uh, it's always been intended that we're sharing a driveway with the existing apartment complex. Um, that phase one has about 180, 178 units. And by the time we get to hard engineering, we <coughs> know exactly. Uh, and this is the estimated breakout of one bedroom, two bedrooms, and, and, and so on. Phase two will be um, to the left of that and we'll hopefully continue Oops. on to the, to the west. Uh, presently, this is where we are with the architectural elevations with our uh, master plan that we're working with the city. This will be the entrance into our, our community landscapes. Next. And then these are some of the elevations that um, we intend to build that are presently through the process. You can see there'll be um, multi-car garages, driveways, uh, hardscapes. Next. These are uh, examples of elevations that will come before you. These are more like, uh, as you can see, there are four units with garages that are attached. So again, it's not a multifamily in the sense of vertical. It's really an attached single family, as we call it. And that's an example of what a six-unit complex would be. Some of you may be familiar with King's Colony on Old King's Road. Uh, that may be an example that you can look towards to see what this would look like. I'm trying to think of some others on the, on the fly. but. That's the idea of putting this in um, this area. And again, down zoning is the concept that we are trying to promote here. So with that, uh, again, we have our consultants here. We have our traffic. Um, we have the owners here. Uh, and we also have our engineer uh, in the event that you have any specific questions that we can't answer. And staff might not be the answer. So uh, we'll make ourselves available and uh, ask for your approval tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Are there any questions of the applicant or the staff from the board? Yeah, I have a question. Sure. <clears throat> Go ahead. Has the developer uh, done any work previously in in the city or the county? No, sir. No. Okay. No. Any other questions from the board? Yes, I have a question. Um, since you're having one, two, and three bedroom units, are, is this going to be like a 55 and older community or? Uh, no, ma'am. Uh, we have not identified it as such. 
Any other questions? I have a question. Okay. You mentioned in the archaeological impacts slide yes. that subsurface, I'm sorry, my glasses aren't on straight, testing revealed poorly or very poorly drained soil throughout the property. How would you mitigate that? Um, I have our engineer to get specific, but generally speaking, you have to go through uh, the state, both through the DEP and through St. John's Water Management District and the city. Um, the floodplain analysis is not an issue because the phase one is not uh, affected by that. Okay. And so we will have to obviously dig our lakes and put soil on top to raise the elevation. Um, but that'll all be taken care of during the engineering phase. And if you want to get more detailed, I can bring our engineer up. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Any other questions from the board? Yes. So this product is a for sale product, not a for rent product? No, this is for, for rent product. So it instead is a of an apartment rent. complex vertical, oh, okay. Okay. for rent uh, horizontal. Fair enough. <clears throat> Any further questions? Yes. Is it strictly fair market value? Um, I can have the owner come up and answer the question. Yes, yes, ma'am. That was never asked by myself. Anything else? We'll be available at the end to answer All right. additional questions. Thank you. This is a public hearing. Any member of the public that wishes to speak to the board on this matter, please come forward, state your name and address for the record. You'll have three minutes to address the board. Anybody that wants to address the board, please come forward. All right, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing. Come back to the board, I guess, unless you have further questions. Come back to the board for action. Um, yes, I have another question. Okay. Will you have on-site property management? I'm uh, David Trandell with Stone Street Partners. Um, yes, we'll have on-site property management and security. So no low-income housing tax credit deal? No. Thank you. Anything else from the board? Any action that you'd like to take? I'll make a motion to approve it as submitted. Okay, there's a motion to approve. Is there a second? I'll second. Motion and a second. Jackie, would you call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries 7 to 0. All right, thank you. On to item five, amending the future land use map designation for 70.2 acres of property from mixed use to residential and adding a site-specific policy to limit development on the subject property known as Seminole Trails to 227 residential dwelling units. Mr. Papa, good evening. Good evening. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. If, if you don't mind, um, because the uh, item number five and six are companions, Mr. Papa was going to do one presentation, but would take action on both of them. All right, that's fine. Good evening, Mr. Chair and members of the board. Jose Papa for the Community Development Department. Uh, again, there, there, there's a pair of applications here for the same parcel. It's called, uh, more commonly known, or it will be called the Seminole Trails Project, so we'll call it. And this is both a future land use map amendment and a zoning map amendment. Just to give you background, this is about a 70-acre parcel located about two and a half miles south of uh, State Road 100 on the east side of um, 
Seminole Woods Boulevard. The proposed future land use map amendment for that 70 acres is a change from mixed use to residential. And along with that change to residential, there, there's proposed to be a, a limiting policy for the parcel that will limit it to a development that would compose of no more than 227 dwelling units. The second part of this application, of these applications, is the change of zoning for the subject parcel from master plan development, as, as um, you can see in blue here, to single family residential one. With any future land use map amendment, we, we provide a, a capacity analysis of its impacts on public facilities. It's uh, really difficult to do sometimes to do these uh, analysis because you know currently it, it can be developed to its maximum extent which would be at uh, 15 dwelling units per acre as a mixed-use parcel. But with the change to the residential, along with the pol limiting policy of 227, as you can see, the development potential of the site is decreased by a significant amount. For environmental impact analysis, the, the proposed development will not provide any additional impact on the environmental features since the subject property was already designated for as a mixed-use development area. And there's no, there were no conservation areas on the site that will need to, that are designated on the future land use map. So none are impacted. It's consistency with the surrounding land uses. Again, the residential is consist, consistent with neighborhoods to the west and although the, there is a FDL easement to the east and a, and a stormwater pond, to the east of that are residential mm. development, uh, Seminole Woods neighborhood. So it is consistent with the current development in Seminole Woods neighborhood. Um, there will be no impact on the, to the east. Again, the, to the east is an FDL easement and a stormwater facility. Uh, currently, there are develop, the development plants, if it's developer residential, which is proposed to be, we'll, take, we'll need to take into account that there is still a mixed-use commercial parcel to the north of it. And so we do have those buffering requirements in our land development code to address those issues. It's consistency with comprehensive plan policies. It's consistent with policies that uh, direct development along major arterials and where existing water and sewer service are provided. It is consistent with the objective and policy to diversify the housing types, prices, and opportunities in, in, in the city. Uh, the city has uh, an abundance of quarter-acre lots, although these are single-family lots. They are in, what, in what's uh, also what's going to be considered as a planned development where sidewalks and private amenities are available, and that in itself, there's a certain demand out there for, for that, and uh, this proposed project will address those types of uh, demands that, that, that is out there. So findings, there are no significant impacts to the level of service for public infrastructure, uh, no significant impact on environmental conditions. It's generally consistent with the surrounding land uses and consistent with the comprehensive plan. 
Staff at this time is recommending that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board find application 4796 consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend that City Council approve the Flume Amendment from mixed use to residential as well as add a site-specific policy to limit development <coughs> on the property to 227 dwelling units. So moving on to the zoning map amendment, some of the findings that we found in the future land, land use map amendment will be applicable to the zoning map amendment also. Again, the proposed change is from a master plan development. And just uh, to note that that master plan development, there, were, there was not a development agreement with that master plan development. So it was really an open book as to what could have been developed on that site. I think this zoning change provides some certainty for the neighborhood and the surrounding areas as to what will be developed. And that's provided by the zoning, the proposed zoning of single family residential one. So again, looking at the, the criteria and the land development code as to its consistency with a comprehensive plan, we, we provided that it is consistent with a comprehensive plan regarding infrastructure availability and consistency with policies to diversify housing types, prices, and opportunities. Again, no impact on the natural environment. It limits impacts on public facilities with a cap on development and its impact on the economy. No negative impact on the economy. The job opportunities remain during the construction phase of, of this development. No, any changes in circumstances or conditions? There are no changes other than the proposed change will reflect demand for more residential development and particular type of development that's uh, maybe becoming more uh, red, available in, in our city and that's the development within a planned community with sidewalks and, and uh, private amenities. It's compatible with approximate uses. Again, there's residential development to the west, to the east, and mainly to the south also. To the south also. And um, so it's consistent with those uses that are existing within, within the Seminole Woods neighborhood. And does it accomplish a legitimate public purpose? Again, it provides opportunities for housing diversity, although it is a single family product. So for recommendation, staff recommends that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board find the proposed rezoning number 4795 consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend that City Council approve the rezoning of the 70.2 plus or minus acres from master plan development to single family residential one zoning district. If approved after tonight's public hearing, this will then go to the City Council uh, for two City Council public hearings the future land use map amendment will be transmitted to the state for state agency review after the first reading with city council. And after that, uh, the project will have to come back for um, either a site plan or a plat approval. And the applicant is here to answer any questions. All right, thank you. The applicant want to make a presentation on items five and or six. Sure, I've got a sort of a brief uh, presentation for you all. It's a pretty straightforward one. Thank you all for considering the application. Thank you, Mr. Papa, for all your work on this one. Name and address for the record, sorry. Walker Douglas, 180 Brookhaven Court, South, thank Palm you. Coast, Florida. Um, so this project, I guess, um, <laughs> when we look at it, it was planned and permitted in 2001 for mixed use, at which time mixed use was sort of very trendy 
we were slapping that label on a lot of things. Um, mixed use projects of this size and larger have experienced in the last 20 years since a really difficult time getting off the ground, um, particu particularly in like secondary tertiary markets like ours. So the next question is how do we get on the tax rolls? How do we get the land productive? Um, as Mr. Papa communicated, well, what's there? We have residential right there. Residential has been successful, particularly the single family residential. Um, we wanna be in keeping with what's in the neighborhood. We don't want to intrude. Um, so keeping that sort of density, um, you might call us crazy for going down from 1,000 units to 227, but we really believe that's the highest and best use for the property, um, particularly adding the sidewalks, you know, um, potential amenity, whatever we end up having in the MPD. Um, we think it's gonna add a lot of value to the neighborhood. Now, if you look at, um, Jose, do you have that, that graph any chance? Uh, Which one? My traffic. That's right, I got the numbers. Okay. Um, so what we're taking, basically we're, we're down zoning effectively. Um, and when we take 1,000 units down to 227 units, we reduce traffic impacts by 1,000%. Trips go down by 1,000%, so what that translates to is a lot fewer people sitting at their cars at the traffic light on Seminole uh, and State Road 100. So that's your sort of 30,000 foot view of the project. Um, happy to enter entertain any questions you'll have. Thank you. Does the board have any questions of the applicant or staff for, let's just start with item five. So yeah, I have a question. The, okay. the regular um, shaped area there, is that going to, uh, that was part of an MPD, it's, is that going to revert to COM for three or what, what happens with that? That's more, I guess, the staff. It's the, the one to, directly to the east. And the the east. Oh, the FPL easement? Yeah, I'll, I'll address that. That's the FPL easement. Yes, um, Mr. Scully, to the east of this is a, actually a city city facility. It's a stormwater okay. facility. All right. So it, it, it's an, an unusual zoning for a city facility that it was in an MPD. And, and maybe looking at it now, in the future, we could entertain changing it to what, what some of our other stormwater facilities are zoned, which is public, semi-public. Okay, that's what confused me. Yes, Thank sir. you. I have a question also. Um, does the, sit, the the sidewalk that the city constructed down Seminole Woods, does it go past this property on the east side? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Yes, sir. Any other questions from the board on item five? And so what you're planning to develop, there'll be rental units as well? Um, no, this would be strictly fee simple single family homes. And I'm just wondering, because I know we've had a number of projects from Seminole Woods. What are the impacts on the schools? Um, do we have anything from Flagler County Schools as to the impact and the need for another elementary school in the area? Patty. Patty. Uh, uh, <laughs> Everybody's looking at you because of the school it. question. <laughs> Thank you. Any other questions on item five from the board? Any on item six? All right, we'll open the public hearing. We'll take item five first. Any member of the public that wishes to speak on item five, please come forward, uh, state your name and address for the record. You'll have three minutes. Anybody that wishes to speak to the board, please come forward. 
All right, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing on item five and come back to the board for any action. I move that we find application 4796 consistent with comp plan and recommend the city council to approve the flume amendment from mixed use to residential, as well as add the policy specific uh, 227 units. A second. Thank you. A second. There's a motion and a second. Jackie, would you call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Ms. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries seven to zip. All right, thank you. We'll go on to item six. Since we've had the presentation, we'll op open the public hearing on item six only, amending the zoning map designation. Any member of the public wishes to address the board on this matter, please come forward, state your name and address for the record. You'll have three minutes. Does anyone wish to come forward? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing on item six and come back to the board for action. I make a motion that we amend the zoning map designation for, for um, 70.2 acre parcel for master plan development to single family residential. Is there a second? I'll second. second. Okay, there's a motion and a second. Jackie, would you call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries seven to zip. Thank you. We'll move on to item seven, which is Secret Gardens rezoning application 4816. I understand Mr. Albano wishes to declare a conflict on this item. Yes. <clears throat> the... Um, the owner of Secret Gardens is a uh, past client of mine, and it would be a conflict if I um, voted on the same project that I worked on. Right, and you filed the uh, appropriate I did. I form. I filed the appropriate form with Miss Irene, and I think we're all good. All right, thank you. All right, um, Secret Gardens rezoning. Uh, is Mr. Hoover, are you going to make the presentation? Yes, sir. Secret Gardens is uh, about 52 and a half acres, and it's located on the east side of Old Kings Road, about a mile and a half south of Palm Coast Parkway. The property owner, Steve Hyman of Coastal Collections, LLC, uh, wants to rezone the property from Office 2 to Com 3 for the Uplands area along Old Kings Road and then uh, there's some wetlands in the middle of the site that run uh, north and south. That would go to PRS or preservation. And then along the east part of the site, uh, that would go to public, semi-public, or PSP. This is the uh, future land use map, and it'll help you understand why they're rezoning to three different uh, zoning designations. So essentially, along the western, uh, almost like a ribbon, so the red ribbon area of the site would be going to COM3, or high-intensity commercial. The lime green area, which is conservation, that part would go to PRS or preservation, since you can't develop in there. And then along the eastern boundary, I think there's about three or four acres of upland areas that's designated institutional and that would go to uh, PSP or public semi-public. So you can see it a little bit easier on this. 
the office two area directly to the south is also owned by Mr. Hyman and Coastal Collections LLC. And then south of that is the entrance area into the uh, city-owned PSP area. That's uh, it's a spray field for reclaimed water. These are the five review criteria we look at for uh, each project that comes to the planning board. A must not be in conflict with the public interest. Uh, the COM3 area is an allowed zoning uh, district area on the future land use map. And the uh, will be compatible with other uses allowed on neighboring lands and then obviously the PRS area on the uh, central wetlands area is allowed in the conservation area and then the PSP is allowed in the uh, institutional area along the very east side. B needs to be consistent with both the land development code and the comprehensive plan. The project does meet three goals, policies, or objectives of the comprehensive plan, and then as it gets into uh, platting or permitting, and then it would need to meet the uh, land development code. C must not impose a significant liability or hardship for the, uh, on the city. The public facilities such as water and sewer are available to serve the site. D must not create an unreasonable hazard or nuisance. In this case, the proposed rezoning will be compatible with the overall neighborhood as it's located with an area of primarily medium to high intensity non-residential zoning districts and uses. And there's also a lot of uh, preserved lands or uh, wetlands in the neighborhood. E must comply with all applicable government standards so as this project goes through the process, it will need to meet the land development code, state uh, regulations, uh, including those through uh, DEP and St. John's River Water Management District and any federal development standards. Uh, we did hold a neighborhood meeting on August 4th uh, at 5.30 p.m. The uh, applicants mailed out letters to all neighboring property owners within 300 feet. Um, no one showed up at the meeting except for the applicants team uh, and staff. Two signs have been erected in a news ad uh, run prior to tonight's planning board. This would go to the uh, city council for two uh, public hearings. And then it would uh, likely return to the planning board as a tier two uh, technical site plan. If for some reason it was subdivided as a non-residential project, it would not return as a subdivision master plan though. Planning staff recommends that the planning and land development regulation board determine the proposed rezoning application number 4816 is consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend approval to city council to rezone 52.4 plus or minus acres from general office to the high intensity commercial or COM3 district preservation uh, or PRS and public semi-public PSP zoning districts. The applicant's agent, uh, Charlie Faulkner, is on the telephone since he was not able to be here in person.
person. So, right. uh, Charlie, are you on there? If you have any, if they have any questions for you, Do, does he wish to make a presentation, or is he just answering questions? He's just going to answer questions. He, we, he may do uh, a little summary, Mr. Do Chairman. We, do we have him on there, Mr. Faulkner? Yes, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Uh, Mr. Chairman, first of all, thank you for allowing me to call in while I'm on my COVID vacation. <laughs> Sorry, I can't be there in person. Um, because this is sort of awkward, you know, trying to make a presentation, I'm going to spare, <laughs> I'm going to spare everybody the agony. Um, Bill did a great job as usual. Uh, the only thing I'll add is that the, the developer, the first phase of this, and a substantial piece of it. He what he plans to do is build an uh, uh, office showroom warehouse uh, type, type development, multi-tenant, and um, primarily targeted for residential construction trades. Um, it's, uh, he feel, he's done enough research to feel confident that uh, a facility such as that located in the center of, of Palm Coast um, is a really vi a very viable market. He also plans to, in phase two, come in with a, an actual plant nursery with a lot of uh, landscape hardscape included, uh, thus the name Secret Gardens. He's a, he's a nurseryman um, by trade. Uh, with that, I, I'll uh, try to answer any questions or concerns that I can. Thank you. All right, Charlie, can you give us your name and address for the record? I'm sorry, my, uh, for the record, my name is Charlie Faulkner. All right, thank you. Um, okay, back to the board. Are there any questions of the staff or applicant on this item? All right, seeing none, we'll go to the, open the public hearing. Uh, this is a public hearing on Secret Gardens rezoning application 4816. Any member of the public wishes to speak to the board on this item, come forward. State your name and address for the record. You have three minutes to speak. Does anyone wish to speak on this item? All right, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing. Uh, come back to the board for any questions or board action. Make a motion to approve as presented. All right. Motion to approve the rezoning. Is there a second? I'll second. All right. There's a motion and a second. Jackie, would you please call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Ms. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Motion carries six to zero. Thank you very much. We'll move Thank on you. to a revision to the Land of Elma Code, Chapter 10.02, which is floodplain management. Charlie, you going to hang up now? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, just want to introduce, uh, I think most folks know Jordan Myers. She's our environmental planner. This uh, revision was necessitated by the regulatory agents that uh, kind of regulate our floodplain management system that we have. Uh, there's some minor um, revisions to it. And uh, Ms. Myers is going to go through some of those details of some of the changes. Good evening. As Mr. Tyner introduced, Jordan Myers, the environmental planner. Um, so these are revisions to Chapter 10.02, Floodplain Management of the Land Development. 
code. So the background um, is why we're bringing these revisions before you. Um, during our recent community rating system, or CRS audit, um, staff was informed that in order to retain our class four designation, um, revisions to our floodplain management section of the land development code were going to be required. Um, the class four designation is a very prestigious honor from the community rating system. Um, we are only um, one of two cities in the state of Florida with a class four designation. Um, there's only one city, Ocala, with a class three designation. Um, in regards to CRS, it's kind of like golf, the lower the score, the better. So um, the CRS is part of the National Flood Insurance Program, and the class four designation that we currently hold allows our citizens to receive up to a 30% discount on their flood insurance if they live in a special flood hazard area or up to a 10% discount if they do not live in a special flood hazard area. So it's a significant um, reduction in cost for our citizens to keep us at a class four. We did do outreach for these, this ordinance. Um, the draft ordinance was approved by our reviewers at ISO. Um, it's also been sent to the state floodplain manager's office. Um, they have um, approved it and they just want to keep, um, us to keep them informed of its progress. Emails were sent out to local stakeholders, developers, builders um, on 624 and 811. Um, no feedback or questions was received um, from any of those emails and the proposed ordinance was posted on the city website for about three weeks um, for our citizens to look at and um, requested feedback from them and we didn't receive any feedback or questions from our citizens as well. In these next slides, I'm going to go through the actual proposed changes. So there'll be little snippets of the code and um, they'll be highlighted and I'll explain each one. So this is in section 10.02073A3. Um, this is specifically stating um, that any development, regardless of size, if they are in an unnumbered A zone, will have to establish a base flood elevation in accordance with engineering standards. So previously, as you can see in the striked out version, um, that was only for um, properties that were 50 lots or bigger than five acres. That's now been revised to any property, regardless if it's one lot, 10 lots, 20 lots, and regardless of size and acres. This is the next one. Um, this is the base flood elevation data shall be determined using site-specific floodplain study by a Florida licensed engineer using detailed methods. So it's just being more specific on how that base flood elevation shall be determined. <coughs> this one is speaking basically to elevation certificates. Um, again, the certification of the lowest floor prepared and sealed by a state licensed surveyor. That's who has to do elevation certificates, either a surveyor, an engineer, or an architect. This one is just specific site improvements are permitted if flood storage provided is equal to or greater than the volume of flood storage displaced by the development. Basically saying we need cup for cup compensatory storage for any kind of development in the floodplain. This is the same revision in a different part of the section. So this one is part of the, I believe the um, manufactured housing portion. So this is saying it was crossing out. This is a specific request from the state floodplain manager's office in regard to manufactured homes. They wanted us to have the same regulations for them as we do for any kind of res single family residential standard home that they will have to meet the one foot above base flood elevation that we hold for them. So this is a lot of strikeouts um, per the state floodplain manager's office, basically just simplifying, saying that 
the manufactured homes need to meet our regular code for regular houses. More of the same. And then this one's a big one for critical facilities. Um, new critical facilities proposed for construction within a special flood hazard area without a determined base flood elevation shall be permitted with an issued letter of map amendment demonstrating the entire project area is outside of the special flood hazard area. So in previous years before this change, um, they could come in and request um, a permit, but we would tell them that they needed to go through FEMA while the process was going. Now this change, they have to already have that FEMA letter in hand before they can apply for the permit. That way we have those assurances from FEMA that they will approve that this project, especially critical facilities such as hospitals, police stations, are outside of the special flood hazard area and that's already been approved. These are changes to the glossary just to be consistent with the rest of the code. Um, we have an additional um, definition for detailed methods that was not previously in the code. And then per the state floodplain manager's office, the strikeout for the various definitions of manufactured home provisions that were removed with the um, section of the code. Planning staff recommends that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board recommend approval to City Council for this. And then pending that approval, this item is scheduled for one City Council workshop and then two readings at City Council business. Any questions? Any questions for Jordan? Yeah, I, I just uh, out of curiosity, what, uh, what's the level of participation uh, in NFIP in Palm Coast uh, in these areas? Is, is it as far as how many people hold insurance? Oh, um, I don't know that number offhand, unfortunately. Because yeah, it's kind of good. It's every time you come up, it's it's really good news, and it's great that we have a great rating. Mm -hmm. And it'd be, I think, important for uh, the public to be aware of that. Yeah, it's hard to get that data. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Is this? Uh clause related to existing Palm Coast lots or developments, you know, like NPV? It would be to any future development, so any future single-family lots that are being built or any uh, developments that come in, so anybody. Not existing, but new builds. Okay. Any more questions for Jordan? All right. Uh, Katie, is this a public hearing? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, this is a public hearing. Any member of the public that wishes to address the board on this matter, come forward, state your name and address for the record. You will have three minutes to address the board. Anyone wish to come forward? All right, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing and come back to the board for any final questions or a motion. I have one more question. I have a question, rather. If we are approved, if any master plan developments are approved before this is, has its final approval, will they still have to meet the requirement once the final approval is received? Usually the master plan developments that come in are already bigger than five lots or, um, sorry, 50 lots or five acres. They're usually bigger than that already. So they're already having to do the determinations if they're in an A zone. So that won't really affect the bigger developments that come in. So if any owner builders come in on a single, just a single family lot in between the process, the they they can either choose to bring in, um, to, you have to go two feet above highest adjacent grade, which that'll be the base flood elevation, and then you build your finished floor one foot above that, 
So basically it's three feet of fill that they would have to bring in, or they can get an engineer to establish a base flood elevation, and that's the current code. So those are the two options. Once this gets established, they have to go to the engineer. So until this is completely approved, um, they, they still have those two options. Thank you. What happens in the difference of elevation if there's an existing uh, <clears throat> like residential house that's already been built and now this new, new code goes into effect, realistically this new house, the finished floor elevation could be two foot above the next door neighbor, which mm -hmm. is quite frowned upon around here with uh, you know, keeping water on your own lot. Right, so they'll still have to meet our stormwater regulations to make sure that they're not um, putting any stormwater in anybody else's lot. They'll still have to meet those regulations. Most of the developed areas where you have single-family lots left over have a base flood elevation already set, don't they? That's correct. There's very few that are in an unnumbered A zone, um, so there's not many lots that would have to deal with it. Thank you. Any other questions for Jordan? Does someone wish to make a motion? I move that we recommend approval to the City Council on uh, 11394. Thank you. Is there a second? I'll second. All right, Jackie, would you please call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shane? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries 7 to 0. Thank you. Thank you. We'll move on to the Colbert Landing Subdivision Master Plan application 4793. Mr. Chairman, as, as part of our subdivision process, we have a three-tiered three-application process. The first step in subdividing land is what we call a master subdivision. And then the second is a preliminary plat. We have a construction plans and then final plat. For those uh, subdivision master plans that exceed 100 units, our code calls that it, it comes to the planning board for review. It's the first step of the application. And Ms. Myers will have the uh, staff presentation for, for this subdivision master plan. Thank you. Good evening again. So I'll be doing the Colbert Landing subdivision master plan presentation. So this is the location map. Uh, you see a north and a south parcel for Colbert Landings. Uh, it's about 293 acres on the west side of Colbert and just north of Moody Boulevard. Closer in, it's proposed for a 482 single-family SFR1 lots and a large amount of preserve area. This is the current future land use map. Um, you can see the lime green is conservation area and the yellow is for residential. Um, to the north is more conservation area as part of Graham Swamp. To the south is both residential and mixed use and to the east is more mixed use. So you can see this is the zoning map. The green area is that PRS zoning uh, preservation, and then the lighter tan color is the SFR1. On February 17th, this board recommended approval of two rezonings for the north and south parcel uh, for this project from MPD to the SFR1 and uh, preservation zoning districts. This is the subdivision layout plan. The north is to the left of the photo. Um, so you can see there's a blue phase line right there. The phase one is to the left of the photo and phase two is to the right. Um, so you can see various ponds, a lot of that preservation area and uh, two ingress and egress onto Colbert Lane. The small portion um, in between the two ingress and egress is not part of this project. It is a separate parcel. 
Here's the layout a little bit bigger. Again, 482 SFR1 lots, uh, basically 1.82 units per acre. You can see called out the clubhouse pool area near Colbert Lane. Um, and then the phase one again is to the left. Um, and you can see noted out there's the larger conservation areas and a large amount of ponds. And there's about 100 acres of preserved wetlands for this project. And we have five review criteria. It must not be in conflict with public interest. SFR1 is an allowed zoning district with the proposed residential area on the flume and will be compatible with other uses allowed on the neighboring parcels. It will be must be consistent with the land development code and comprehensive plan. The project meets five goals, policies, and objectives of the conservation uh, comprehensive plan and will meet the LDC. It must not impose a significant liability of hardship on the city. Public facilities like sewer and water are available to serve the site and the area roadways with the projects traffic included build out will continue to operate at a level of, level of service C or better. Must not create an, create an unreasonable hazard or nuisance. The subdivision master plan will be compatible with overall neighborhood as it is located within an area of primarily residential uses and preserved lands and the project, project's residential uses will, be, will provide demand for existing and future command, commercial land uses in nearby commercial areas. It must comply with all applicable government standards. The project will meet all local, state, and federal development requirements, such as floodplain regulations, wetland buffers, um, and all other land development code regulations. The next steps would be the preliminary plat, which is an administrative review, and then the final plat will go to city council and then they'll pull building permits. Planning staff recommends that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board approve subdivision master plan for Colbert Landings, application number 4793. And the applicant's team is here and they do have a PowerPoint which I will bring up. All right, would the applicant please come forward? Good evening, Matt Lottie, 906 Anastasia Boulevard um, with Gulfstream Design Group here representing the applicant, GeoSAM Capital. Um, as Jordan mentioned, uh, you know, our presentation uh, short and sweet. She's done a great job of going through this, her bill, and Mr. Connor has done a great job as we've proceeded through the rezoning and planning process with staff. Can you hold on a second, Matt? Are you picking him up all right on the mic? Yes. You might, you might want to pull a little closer. Sorry. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Go ahead. We are currently preparing our, our preliminary plat application and working through uh, de uh, design and permitting with the Water Management District. Um, just a zoning slide, Jordan already went through that. Next one's future land use, um, copy of the site plan. Um, and uh, if there's any questions, we can, we can work through any questions you might have. All right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, any any questions by the board for the applicant or staff? I have a question. Sure, please. Propose timing to go before the city council for final plat. Yes. Uh, we will most likely go to final plat after construction um, of the improvements, but probably a, a five-month construction process, maybe before we're ready to do the plat after the preliminary is approved. 
So I'd say it's sometime probably middle of next year. So yeah, we'd be looking at sometime about this time next year for final plot approval. Any other questions from the board? I know this might be preliminary, but do you guys have a architectural vernacular that you're thinking about using here? Or? We don't, no, no. sir. Oh. Mr. Lottie, could you have your, uh, could he introduce himself and give us his name and address? Sure. Uh, Nick Powell with GeoSAM, uh, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, 22168. Uh, any questions you have, I'll be happy to answer. Thank you. Any other questions from the board? All right, we'll go on to open the public hearing. This is a public hearing to consider the Grand Landing Subdivision Master Plan, application 4793. Any member of the public that wishes to speak on this matter, please come forward. State your name and address for the record. You'll have three minutes to speak. Anyone wish to address the board? All right, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing. Come back to the board for any final questions or a motion. I move that we approve Cobra Landing Subdivision Master Plan, Master Plan Application Number 4793. Is there a 2nd I'll second. Okay, there's a motion and a second. Jackie, would you please call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Ms. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries 7-0. Thank you. Move on to item 10, the McNally Pool Variance, Application 4813. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, planning board members. Um, you know, variances we happen really rarely. I, I don't, can't remember the last time we had a variance here. Um, I, I just will say that you know our, our developers and applicants do do a great job uh, out in the field, and then sometimes you know there are mistakes that happen. Um, so we do have a process, a variance process that we go through to meet the criteria of our code. This specific one. Our planning staff, Mr. Hoover, went through the criteria, and, and we believe it meets the criteria uh, to, to grant the variance. But with that, uh, Mr. Hoover will have the details. Thank Good you. evening again. Um, the subject property is located at 35 Raleigh Drive, so you can see it's south of Whiteview Parkway and west of Belterre Parkway. Uh, more of a close-up. The uh, request is for an after-the-fact four-and-a-half-foot variance for a rear setback for a pool and pool enclosure, which would take the rear setback from 10 feet to five-and-a-half feet. Uh, interestingly, this neighborhood has about half of the lots are zoned SFR2, which has a six-and-a-half-foot rear setback. The other half have a SFR3 zoning, which requires a 10-foot setback. So this is a front view of the uh, new home that was constructed, uh, that was started uh, last year. The owner has advised staff, so this is a picture along the rear property line. So the, the fence is actually located one foot north of the rear property line. That's sort of common. It lets a person go along the rear property line and clean their fence or do any maintenance. And then, so if you figure the fence is about half a foot thick, there's about a four foot area for 
maintenance along the rear of the fence and they could still get their lawnmower behind the pool enclosure. This is a close-up view of the pool enclosure looking uh, east. A little bit better views uh, looking west since the sun was it was in the, in the, taken in the morning. Uh, this is a picture from the rear yard and it shows the abutting home to the rear. And talking to senior planner Jose Papa, it was we sort of like the actually the home at the rear has a bigger impact on the subject property than the rear enclosure in the of the pool and the pool does well on the uh, property to the rear. This is a picture of, of taken from the front of the house at the rear and you can see the six foot white fence blocks off much of the pool enclosure and then you can see through the top of the pool enclosure after that. This is uh, taken from the survey uh, you can see the pool area and there's a outline around showing where the pool enclosure uh, is. You can also see the home and, uh, and on the bottom side of the uh, pool area it, there's a, actually a lanai. It's not specifically broken out and you can see they have a side loaded garage. So these are the uh, five Experience review criteria from section 2.1203 of the Land Development Code. Uh, one, special conditions and circumstances exist which are peculiar to the land use or building involved and which are not applicable to other lands, uses, or buildings in the same zoning district. To give you a little summary here, they initially hired another builder to build the home with a, there's a lot of cost increases that that we all know and so the builder uh, bumped the home price several times and so they switched to a different builder uh, Everlast Homes came uh, to the city got a uh, home permit approved last year later uh, it appears uh, from uh, uh, Ray Tyner's zoning department did some research and what they found was that the actual footprint that was built was built about seven and a half foot deeper and closer to the rear property line than was shown on the application. The uh, site plan with the pool enclosure application that staff reviewed showed the pool in its enclosure would actually have a rear setback of 13 feet. So the, uh, the foundation and final surveys for the home reflect the correct location of the home that was constructed. So this was the, uh, this didn't include the pool and the pool enclosure because it was done by a separate contractor. So the uh, foundation and final surveys did meet the uh, rear building setback, but it differed from the approved home site plan. So the pool contractor, Waldhauer and Sons, did not have this final foundation and final surveys available to use for the pool permit application, so they used the city-approved site plan for the home. Mm -hmm. The city approved the pool permit for the application it re received. 
Uh, we do do um, pool inspections to make sure that the pool is built to meet the building code standards, but the inspectors do not go out there and inspect for uh, zoning setbacks. The uh, pool contractor did advise staff that the, the people that were on site assumed it was a six and a half foot variance or six and a half foot rear setback, you know, sort of like all the, a lot of the other properties out there, so they didn't really pay that much attention to that. The, uh, after the pool was constructed, the final survey indicated there was a rear setback issue for the pool and uh, enclosure, and then they contacted Ray Tyner to see what the solution was on solving this. Two, special conditions and circumstances that are not self-imposed and do not result from the applications of the applicant. The owner applicant followed all the rules for having a high quality home built within an established neighborhood with the professional contractors they hired did not notice the discrepancy on the rear yard setback until after the pool and its enclosure had been constructed. Three, literal interpretation of the provision of this land development code would deprive the applicant of rights commonly enjoyed by other properties in the same zoning district under the terms of this land development code and would work unnecessary and undue hardship on the applicant. About half the homes on ITT lots have SFR2 zoning, which has a six and a half foot rear setback, and the SFR2 and SFR3 zoning districts, and the SFR3 has that 10-foot rear setbacks, basically mixed together on most streets throughout the city, and the setback differences have really not created any significant issues elsewhere noticed by staff. It's also difficult to distinguish between a five-and-a-half and a six-and-a-half-foot rear setback unless you've got your tape out there. A strict interpretation of this provision would require the pool and its enclosure to be removed or mostly removed and the replacement pool and its enclosure would not be able to provide as high quality of a pool and enclosure that currently exists. Four, the variance is the minimum relief necessary that will make possible the re reasonable use of the land and building. Uh, in this case, since the pool and enclosure have already been constructed, it's really not applicable in this case. It's basically, in staff's opinion, it's really referring to a property owner asking for an upfront variance and the provision requires staff and the planning board to look and see if this is the minimum amount of variance necessary for, it, for the proposed use to function properly. Uh, finally, the last criteria, the granting of the variance will be in harmony with the general intent and purpose of this land development code and that such variance will not be injurious to the area involved or otherwise detrimental to the public health, safety and welfare or injurious to other property in the neighborhood. Uh, this criteria is met since the pool would have to be removed or mostly removed and then reconstructed using air hammers, dump trucks, concrete trucks, loaders and other heavy equipment, 
creating a substantial amount of noise, dust, and commotion for the residents of not only this home, but also those that are nearby. The neighborhood, I'm sorry, the neighbor in the two-story house behind the pool has sent staff a letter supporting the variance for the pool and its enclosure, and this would be the neighbor that would have the greatest impact from the reduced setback. Another abutting neighbor that was uh, notified also sent a letter of no objection uh, for the pool. So in, in staff's opinion, there's a considerable difference on a, a setback if you had, let's say they were coming in here and they were having a two-story home five and a half foot from the rear setback, let's, compared to, in this case, we've got a, a six foot high wood fence there and we're getting a, a five and a half feet away is a pool in its enclosure and you can see through the pool enclosure. The applicants did notify eight abutting neighbors uh, on August 2nd of tonight's uh, public hearing. Staff has received uh, two letters on this, uh, one of no objection and one uh, recommending approval. Planning staff recommends that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board approve the variance of four and a half feet to allow a five and a half foot rear yard setback in lieu of 10 foot for the pool and its enclosure at 35 Raleigh Drive conditioned on the following. One, no other buildings or improvements that require a setback be allowed within the rear 10 feet of the property at Raleigh Drive. And two, the six foot high rear fence shall be maintained in excellent condition and shall be replaced once its useful life is up within 45 days of notice by the City of Palm Coast Code Enforcement Division with another six foot high solid rear fence and then fence permits will be required for any replacement fences. Phil and Cheryl McNally, the property owners and applicants are in attendance and I believe they're sitting right here and I believe Mr. Roy Waldhauer is also here representing Waldhauer and Son, uh, the pool contractor. So if you have any questions for me or and the, the applicants may have uh, want to they want to introduce themselves. Sure. Please come forward. Hi. My name is Cheryl McNally, and I live at 35 Robbie Drive. Um, I also wrote a letter, which I don't know. I mean, I've given it, it to it, you. It, yeah, it's in the agenda. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, but as you can tell from my tan, my pool is like the favorite part of my house. And it's an oversight on so many um, different levels. You know, so um, I hope that you know, we get a good outcome tonight. And thank you for all the you're welcome. Thank you. Um, first of all, I apologize because I know at the end of the day it always comes back to the contractor and you know making sure we got things right. Um, I mean, a lot of you guys know me or at least my reputation. Um, we've been around a long time, uh, built more than 3,000 pools in the community, um, you know, in some of the surrounding areas, of course, but um, never had this type of issue before. You know, inches here, inches there. But um, you know, this is truly an honest mistake. We were given a site plan um, with the house on it, had plenty of room, drew the pool on it, had more than 10 feet of a setback. We actually, I think it was 13 and change. 
didn't come out to many of my guys to say, hey, we got an issue out here. Um, so unfortunately, my guys in the field missed that. Um, you know, I, I think it's understood that we had a site plan on file at the city, which again is not the city's problem. It always again comes back to me. Um, so we're here, you know, asking for some lenience in the situation, um, and I appreciate your help. Could you just give us your name and address for the record? Uh, yeah, my name is Roy Waldhauer. Um, I live at 237 South River Walk in Palm Coast. All right, thank you. Yep. Are there any questions from the board of the applicant or staff? Yes, I have a question of the board. Um, I know Mr. Waldauer. Uh, I've known him for a year or so. We've never had any business dealings. He's just a friend. Is, would, should I recluse myself? <clears throat> recuse no myself? need to do that. Okay, fine. Just checking. <laughs> <clears throat> any other questions from the board? I'll ask the same question. Uh, since I have a Waldauer pool, <laughs> is there any reason that I should have to recuse No, myself? there's no conflict. Not. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I have one question for okay. Mr. Waldauer, and that is, do you have good processes in place so this doesn't occur again? Uh, well, I most certainly have talked to my employees and explained to it because I made it I made it very clear that this could be a $35,000 mistake. I mean, this is... It's, it's huge, uh, you know, so because, you know, it's one thing if the enclosure was in, you know, you easily could take the enclosure down, cut off some deck and say, okay, you know, now we have a concern. Of course, the homeowner would have to be on board with that. Uh, but this is not just that, it, you know, technically the pool its structure itself is in there. So it, it would all be coming out, um, you know, so again, I definitely pressed upon that. Um, now, when my layout digging steel crew goes out, they don't just have a pool print. They're going to have the pool print and a site print to make sure they're measuring um, and, and sure. definitely looking for that. I mean, so as I said, I mean, after 3,000 pools, this is kind of a first for me. Um, like I said, an inch here, inch there, that's always kind of understandable, but, you know, this is a little bigger than that. So Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions of the applicant or staff? And a part of the issue was the fact that you didn't have a survey also, right? That the survey, the issue was with, you didn't have a survey, you had the site plan. Wasn't that a part of the issue once well, the survey, once the, you the did? Site, the site plan came from a survey company. The problem was that the site plan came from the first builder, okay? And so that first site plan, which again, it was all legit. It was the same property, the same owner. But when they switched builders, the house designs changed slightly. And, you know, I was aware of the home uh, of the different builder. And when I got the other site plan, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure I ever got the other site plan because the, um, the submittal was that, and I didn't know about this until the way and final survey. Um, so I knew they changed builders. And when I got like a eight and a half by 11 house design, the back of the house was the same house design. I mean, it was the same lanai same whatever so it had gotten deeper but it didn't change the back of the home so it's like well the pool still fits um now again that goes back to you know had we dug a little bit deeper but i had a site plan in hand and that site plan didn't say anything specific i don't believe about which builder it was you know it was a house on a plan um so does that answer the question? I mean, yeah, so it wasn't necessarily made, you weren't really made aware of the differences between the two. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And the fence wasn't installed at the time, correct? Actually, the fence is how this saving came to be. Um, the pool had passed all inspections except for the final inspection, 
and the fence was permitted, and when the person was looking at the permitted fence, they saw the dimension on the pool and went, oh. And so then when I went for a final, it was like, yeah, no. Um, and, and so that then, that's how it was actually found. So there was no fence when we were building, and that's kind of my point, because if, if the fence was up and we were building that close to a fence, that would have definitely triggered some light bulbs, you know what I'm saying? So at this time, the pool doesn't have a final inspection. It, it does not. We're waiting on this in order okay. to be able to do but that. But the permit's still active? It is, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, we definitely And we will get a final once we have an understanding, <coughs> once there's an understanding. Any other questions from the board? Katie, is this a public hearing as well? Yes, yes. please. Yes, okay. All right. <coughs> we'll open the public hearing on the pool variance application 4813. Any member of the public that wishes to speak to the board, come forward, state your name and address for the record. You'll have three minutes to address the board. Does anybody wish to address the board on this matter? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing and come back to the board for action. I'll make a motion to approve. <laughs> one more second, because I have, have a question. question yes. Um, if we were to approve this, is there a precedence that we will be setting in the future if something like this came before us again? I mean, every case is on its own facts, but certainly you, if you had almost the exact same type case, you would definitely want to find the same way, but hopefully these don't occur very often. I don't think they do because this is the first one that I'm aware of. I know. This, I believe, is one of the first, yes. Yeah. And then just to remind you, too, that part of our analysis of our code, our planning staff, um, is, uh, says it meets all of the criteria in this case. And I think the one unique aspect of this, it's not a unique property like often we see with the variance, it'll be like a pie-shaped lot or something weird. But it does have the fact that it's got the two different zoning districts up against each other with different rear setbacks that sort of lend itself to this variant. Any other questions? I heard I heard a motion for me yep. somewhere. I'd make a motion to approve application 4813 McNally pool variance uh, for approval. Is there a second? Mr. Chair? Yes. Does the motioner include the two conditions that staff? Oh, yes. The conditions. Yep. The, um, the motion to approve includes the staff recommended um, <coughs> conditions regarding the no uh, other buildings or improvements require a setback to be allowed of 10 feet in the rear, and then a six-foot-high rear fence shall be maintained in excellent condition and replaced if required. All right, we have a motion. Is there a second? Second. There's a motion and a second. Jackie, would you call the roll? Yes. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shane? No. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries six to one. Thank you. We'll move on to item 11, the Torok Tattoo Studio Special Exception Application 4827. Thank you. Hey, Mr. Chairman um, and planning board members, I would love to introduce you to Ms. Estelle Lenz. She is a professional planner. You haven't seen her before, but she's been with the city for several years working in our, our zoning department. 
and hopefully you'll you'll be seeing her a lot, her a lot more. So this is her debut of uh, doing her first presentation and her item for a uh, for a tattoo uh, special exception. So Estelle, it's all yours. Good evening, Mr. Chairman and board members. Estelle, City Planning Division. Nice to be here this evening. Um, this is a request for a special exception for a tattoo studio at City Marketplace located at 160 Cypress Point Parkway. The applicant has requested a special exception for tattooing, body piercing, and other body arts in the Commercial 2 Zoning District. The future land use designation for this property is mixed use and it allows the commercial one, two, and three zoning districts as well as the industrial one, office one and two, and the PSP, public and semi-public, and all residential zoning districts. Tattoo studios are permitted uses in the commercial three zoning district. However, they require a special exception in the um, commercial two zoning district. The site and all the surrounding lands are zoned commercial two. The applicant is proposing to occupy a portion of units C202 and C203, which is currently an existing barber shop. It's Indelible Cuts LLC, and it's on the second floor. The special exception analysis is based on the land development code section 2.07.03. A is consistent with the specific requirements for that particular use as set forth in the land development code. This large office retail and commercial services site has already been developed under all applicable standards of the commercial two district and the land development code. B meets the concurrency requirements of this land development code. The site is located within an existing commercial center where concurrency standards have already been met. C is compatible with the surrounding neighborhoods and promotes the value of surrounding land, structures, or buildings. The proposed studio is located on the easterly portion of the commercial center, and a Walmart is located across Cypress Edge Drive to the east. City Marketplace has a wide variety of commercial uses that function well together, and this business will fit in with the other businesses located in this center. Regarding public participation, the applicant met the 14-day requirement of sending certified mail to abutting property owners for tonight's Planning and Land Development Regulation Board public hearing, and staff has received no comments from the public. The recommendation is planning staff recommends that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board approve the special exception application number 4827 for tattooing, body piercing, or other body art. And the applicant's representatives are in attendance, Mr. Tyler Goodwin of Indelible Cuts, LLC, and the proposed business owner, Mr. John Torok, is also in attendance. Thank you. Uh, does either of the applicants wish to make a presentation or? Good evening, everyone. I appreciate the opportunity to present this. Um, Can you state your name and address, please? Sorry. No, no problem. Uh, my name is Tyler Goodwin. I'm the owner of Indelible Cuts Barbershop. We're an LLC business. We've been established for about five years now, obviously in the city market plaza. We're a flourishing business who try to continue to expand. <clears throat> um, Mr. John has been in the area for a while and he's flourished in his craft as well. And I, we go hand in hand with artwork together and we promote to the same 
higher end um, people of the district, police officers, firemen, teachers, police force, and um, we're looking today for John to basically be able to promote his artwork in the back of my barbershop, which is a very clean um, establishment. We have blocked off the separation of the tattoo and barbershop for our hygiene and the cleanliness so there's no disinfecting errors of any sort. And I'm, oh, feel free to answer any questions that anyone does have for me. All right. Thank you very much. Does the board have any questions of the applicant or staff? I do. So a few months ago, we approved another tattoo parlor in the same shopping center. Are they still in business? It's maybe Elite Custom Tattoo? I believe Elite, yes, sir. Okay. And also on the same same strip um, as my barbershop, um, uh, the C building, there's also three or four other hair style, um, hair businesses on that. So there's really a no compete with us. There's no, I'm sorry, not a no compete, but we don't we don't try to interact or interfere with anyone's businesses. And that's what's lovely about that plaza. There's no animosity or competition really. So thank you. Yes, sir. Any other questions? Okay, we will open the public hearing. Any member of the public wish to speak on this matter, please come forward, state your name and address for the record. You'll have three minutes to address the board. I see no one come forward. We'll close the public hearing, come back to the board for a motion. I make a motion that we approve Torek Tattoo Studio, special exception application number 4827. Is there a second? Second. There's a motion and a second. Jackie, would you please call the roll? Okay. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mrs. Lucas? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Albano? Yes. Motion carries seven to zero. All right, thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> that, that is the end of our agenda. Does the board have any items it wishes to discuss? About the staff? No, sir. All right, is there a motion to adjourn? Yes. Second. Is there a second? All right, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Thank you. No. Oh, that's what I